Chloe coffee with latte milk? Oops, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Oh, that's crazy. Nobody ever gets my order. Order up. Oh, we're gonna need a bigger cup. <laughs> oh. I'm Steve. I'm Claire. Hi, Steve. Um, I never do this, but um, I was just wondering if maybe uh, you wanted to get dinner sometime. Um, yeah, yeah, I would, I would, I would love that. Okay, great. Um, okay, well, I'll see you tonight. Yeah, I can't okay. wait. All right, bye, Steve. Hi, Claire. And another soy coffee with latte milk. Oh, but wait, where are we going? And what time? And what's your last name? And what's your phone number? What's everything? All right, we'll just get into the movies and we'll, you know, see how it goes. Um, it doesn't have to be. You're not, I'm sure you're not concerned about promoting your influencer brand or anything like that. So. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really have a have a brand or a uh, influence of any kind. So <laughs> that's good. That's healthy. All right. Um, so uh, it's been a long time since I got to talk to Bernadette, my friend from Australia. And I think I was trying to count back as far as us having like a podcasty audio conversation. I think it's been like seven years or so. Probably. It's been about four years since I did any sort of podcast. So, And you used to turn me down a lot for, for guest appearances. You were <laughs> Really? Yeah. Jeez. Oh, I can't remember the last time I turned a man down. So there you go. Those were the salad days then if I was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I remembered uh very vividly some of your uh thoughts on film that uh, still crack me up to this day. And uh I very much wanted to talk movies with you and I can't say the the film we're going to talk about today as far as new release, Meet Cute. I can't say this is one that I was even really aware of. So I can't, it's not like I was like, oh, this will be perfect for Bernadette. It was just like, what is new? What is, <laughs> what is available in Australia and in the States? And uh, through the magic of internet technology, we found a Peacock original, which probably means fuck all to <laughs> people anywhere. <laughs> Had a night like this ever in your entire life? Go say hello. Buy him a drink. Hi, I'm Sheila. Hi. Hi. I'm uh, I'm Gary. Can I get you? Old fashioned. fashioned. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Cheers, mate. That was uh, weird. Oh, not really. I have got to come clean with you. I'm from the future. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a little confused. So how much do you use the tanning machine? Oh no, it's not a tan machine, it's a time machine. Try it, it's fun. I've spent the entire week with you, this night, seven times in a row. Wait, what'd you do with the other you from the past? But it's really cute. Okay. You ever had a night like this ever in your entire life? I just wanted to change a couple things to make you more perfect. This yeah. never happened with old Gary. 
you erase the pain, you erase the person. What exactly did you change about me? I have this ability to take your pain away. It's not yours to take away, it, Sheila. It came from a good place, Gary. Yeah, so did gender reveal parties. Started as an accident, and I fell in love with you. And this time, I am going to make it work. A real Sophie's Choice kind of decision now, isn't it? I love it when you make that joke. What? What? You didn't want to go somewhere more meaningful, like, I don't know, like to kill Hitler? Well, I did take out Smithson. Who? Exactly. <laughs> I did think to myself, is he trying to send me a message with this meet cute thing? Not, not you personally, but like... <laughs> Like, put myself out there romantically, like, me cute, Bernadette, you know, get out there, hang around bars and, you know, drink a lot and cozy up to someone. <laughs> I, get, I mean, I guess that's the traditional way. Um, what's non-traditional, and I, I'll ask your female perspective on this, is the Pete Davidson effect, who I just have to admit, I just don't, I don't understand. I don't understand the his uh, romantic image for this younger generation and so that's probably why meet cute was not on my radar because i don't really follow his uh creative output that much he doesn't seem to be just younger i mean he didn't he date kate Be well not have a liaison with kate beckinsale as well uh, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> it seems yeah. to be just women of all uh i, I pers personally i he means nothing to me <laughs> good <'Cause laughs> your first statement was it. upsetting when you brought up Kate Beckinsale, I'm like, oh, great. Yes, that too. Yeah. So. <laughs> we don't even, SNL doesn't even air in Australia. So mm. um, I only know him from a few stand-up specials that I've seen. But I, I have nothing against him either. Uh, he's just a bleh, you know. <laughs> I will say that he's playing, I think, somewhat against type here because I think he usually has a somewhat... Um, manic energy uh, yeah. about him uh usually even if he's in the supporting role he's he's got a lot of uh his um i was about to say like proud ignorance on dis <laughs> display he's usually a character that is very abrasive and loud in some way about his his thing whatever that thing yeah. is um and here he is because of the conceit of the film he is just a guy in a bar repeatedly being yeah. picked up. I don't know if that helped me at all since I have such a disdain for him <laughs> to see him repeatedly picked up by a beautiful woman, but I did like his performance more than I expected from what I've seen of him uh, prior. Yeah, it's a bit different. I don't know if you've seen, have you seen Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? I did. I didn't yeah. understand it. I didn't understand any <laughs> of these, the kids at all. <laughs> it's bodies times three. What's there to understand? <laughs> Everyone was very um, angry. <laughs> and like King of Staten Island, which I get, which is what auto, semi autobiographical or mm -hmm. whatever they want to call it. Yeah, he does kind of normally have a bit more of a not in your face, but more maybe loud type of persona. Um, and he's a bit more um, uh, not quiet, but he kind of, I feel like there's whether it was me reading into it or it, it was meant to be sort of shades of him being a little bit more of kind of an introverted character in this and um, a little bit uh, world-weary, let's say, which was nice. Which, 
it also takes a lot when you have uh, Kaylee Cuoco from, uh, I guess, Big Bang Theory would be what most people know her from. I don't know if she's done much film work yet. Or at no. least I've not seen it. She had the flight attendant, the other TV series, which is some people seem to enjoy, um, which is, what, two seasons? So at least she's, you know, she's obviously got a lot of money, thanks to Big Bang <laughs> So <laughs> she um, what she wants. I think she's probably like finance. She could just finance the rest of her career based on Big Bang Theory, I'm sure. Um, and she kind of is, if anything, she's kind of the one that has really the manic energy in this. Um, in <laughs> very aggressive. Very. Um, it's, you know, it's difficult. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about time travel movies in general. Um I, I'm not saying it's the best time travel movie, but I always liked the scene in uh, Looper where Bruce Willis, uh, whenever he's hearing like another character, uh, I believe it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. So I don't, I don't want to get too into the weeds as far as the plot of that film, but uh, basically they're going over the how time travel works in that universe, and he just sort of hand waves it off. Like, ah, we could go round and round about this forever. I might go about my business. And I felt like that was very smart yeah. of the movie to just be like, we know you're out there nitpicking how this happens. I was doing a little bit yeah. of that with my wife for Meet Cute, and then I had to catch myself and I'm like, it's called fucking meat cute. It's on Peacock. I'm like, why am I, <laughs> why am I trying to figure this out as far as the mechanics of it? She time travels through a tanning bed. I mean, <laughs> there was another movie um, that I hated. Um, I can't remember the actress's name as far as the younger version, but she gets in a tanning bed and wishes to turn into Diane Keaton, basically. I don't know if you saw the... Uh, it was a very small release here, but it's like a woman out of step with her generation probably watched Bodies, 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 and it was like, we have none of this, and no, <laughs> decided that... Take me out of She just society. wanted to <laughs> skip ahead to like the uh, the golden years, and so she gets in a tanning bed and turns into an older woman who ends up being Diane Keaton. I don't know what it is with tanning beds of late, but I guess it's a cheap prop. It's It lights up. You get in it, and there you go. Um, but I, I will applaud Miss um, Big Bang Theory for being so playing a part that is so aggressive and at times very unlikable. Because I, at first, I'm like, okay, she's trying to relive something from the. I think from the opening meeting, we're already in the cycle of going back in time. Like she's already done this before. Yes. She's saying the lines before he says them. Yeah. So I'm trying to but figure out, like, okay. Sure. Like you kind of like, they play it in that very first one. They kind That's of play it where you're like, are they just so meant to be that she's, you know, picking up the ends of his sentences? And she she says, am I, a time, you know, I'm a time traveler. But it's kind of like played a bit of, bit like that sort of ironic you know banter of a first date or something and, and I kind of rolled my eyes like oh, oh but then I realized maybe she actually is a time <laughs> and it turns out that's exactly what it was <laughs> and if you're Pete Davidson do you care either way it's like you're he's sitting there it looks like is he drawing on coasters or something he's he's bored no one's approached him yet just go along, see where this goes. I'm just sitting there, like I'm just sitting here with my big dick energy and like just waiting for someone <laughs> to. <laughs> I'm just drawing someone in with. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm totally still not comfortable with Pete Davidson as like the honeypot. I just don't. <laughs> he just sits there and 
draws them in. Fortunately for me, I guess, uh, the character of Sheila here, the time traveler, um, throughout the course of the dates, uh, it never, nothing is consummated. And at first I got the impression that this is what she wants. Like what I, I was thinking something happened in their relationship early on that she's trying to recapture their first meeting when things were good but then you never you, you don't ever really jump forward that becomes the 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 crux of the film is that it's always going to be this first interaction that she's going yeah. to and that made me a little uncomfortable because i i understood <laughs> the aspect of trying to recapture a feeling if you have that power i don't necessarily understand wanting to relive awkward first date banter and then it does get to a point in the film where she's heard the same jokes a thousand times and she starts to get angry about it and i'm like why why are you doing this what <laughs> move, move on to the next thing what, what's your uh you know being a podcast revergin basically what is your feeling on spoilers here what, what can i reveal oh, i should not reveal everything it's it's a it's a peacock original so it's, <laughs> presumably it's a spoiler for everyone He's basically saying just you know okay all right yeah my thought is so we do learn eventually that on the day that she uh meets the original day that she meets um pete's pete davidson's character she was suicidal mm -hmm. uh, or going through something pretty bad they don't really go into it in that much detail in Not terms really. of what it is mm -hmm. in her life that has, has drawn her to that point, um, which, you know, at first kind of bothered me a little bit. I thought, oh, God, like, is this really where this film's going? <laughs> but, you know, I guess at the same time, you know, we don't necessarily need to know the ins and outs. She she does, she she has the way she plays the character, there is this kind of energy to her that you can tell she's on the edge. Um, so at least, I guess, she's in terms of her performance, she's trying to imbue it with a little bit of backstory, even if the script itself doesn't give you that. Um, and so for me, I was, I was watching it thinking that the reason she wants to relive this is it's the first time she's felt good probably in a long time was the fact that she was able to connect with this other person who's also probably a bit damaged and maybe that's sort of what drew them together in that, you know, one night date, you know, that lasts all night. Um, Did you enjoy, so, yeah. I just want to jump in on <laughs> what makes him damaged um, is that he didn't have a father figure. Yeah. So the way that she and the film solves it is she shows up is uh, dressed in a mustache and a wig and plays catch with him <laughs> like every Sunday for, I think she says something like three years or something. Yeah. Like Uncle time. Charlie. That's yes. who she was. It's Uncle Very Charlie. kind of weird. Um, yeah. It, and it calls into question uh, this child's intelligence that he didn't <laughs> think this is someone in a wig and a <laughs> fake mustache that's coming over to play catch with him. So there's that. Voice, yes. No. <laughs> um, hey, aren't you from the Big Bang? I think I recognize you. Yeah. But um, aren't you the Big Bang Theory lady dressed up like Luigi the Plumber? Like <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy baseball though, so I'm just gonna keep doing it. I'm not gonna True. run the moment. And, and I, then the I'm other one. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I can only remember two. Is that she sends a presumably a sex worker to his house with a pizza so he can lose his virginity 
ahead of whenever he lost it previously. And those two things playing catch with strange uncle Charlie and having sex when he's (laughs) a teenager, that made him a more confident, more financially successful man. Not a ton of respect for our male character as far as that fixes every man no. playing catch with your your dad and then uh, having sex earlier. That makes you more confident <laughs> and successful. That's it. <laughs> well, I wrote in, I'm looking over at my notes and one thing I wrote in terms of the dad thing the one thing I wrote, which is kind of like a, a, a minor pet peeve of mine in terms of things that people talk about in movies that immediately makes them somehow like so connected is like when they've got dead dads. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, your dead dad's dead? So is my dad dead. Wow, let's, let's bond. This is recalling <laughs> one of my favourite podcast moments with you. I think one of the few times you came on a show uh we did by the sea the angelina jolie brad pitt oh god (laughs) (laughs) and you made a similar point that if you want to show a damaged woman just reveal at some point in the third act that uh she's unable to have children and that will explain all of her (laughs) grievances with the world and that stuck with me, uh, you know, seven years ago because I've seen that play out a few more times. I'm like, oh, this, this old hat again. As someone who hates children, I don't, I don't understand it because I, I see that as a blessing, not a curse. But I, I can understand I for some I people. I also don't have children by choice, so yes. <laughs> um, I think you bring up an interesting point before with the um, the, the things that she does to because that's at the point you know the first sort of uh, third of the film um she's enjoying their date to varying degrees although he always ends up leaving at the end kind of walking away and she even makes even when it's been a good date yeah there's still a separation Yeah, yeah i think she says something like um you walk away you always walk away every time um and but yet she's still, you know, the other parts of the date is are magical enough or she's enjoying sort of the, the relive factor or repeat factor of it. Um, but, yeah, eventually, like all things in life, eventually she starts to grow bored and tired and feeling stuck and she becomes annoyed by him being so passive, um, which probably isn't helped by the fact that, you know, she's, you know, really for him it's day one and she's five five months in one year in at one stage mm-hmm. um and that's where it's also a little natural she, it's yeah, natural to be a bit and, more passive when you've just met someone you're exactly. not <laughs> and you know it's p Davis, it's probably fucking half bait part of my language like mm-hmm. um it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. um it would explain why he leaves with this strange woman um but yeah, she. It, it's in, because she's kind of she is definitely at least almost all the way through the film. She's like an unreliable narrator because she doesn't reveal. She's revealing some things to us and to him, but not the truth at each stage. Like first, she says it's twenty four hours, 
Um, I can go back in time 24 hours, you know, to this day. Then later on, we find out she can go back 24 hours at any time, which is how mm-hmm. she ends up you know, being Uncle Charlie and uh, mm-hmm. sex worker procurer um, <laughs> to, to make him less passive. <laughs> God, I'd love to know what two points in my life um, <laughs> someone would go back to to make me more confident. <laughs> I Look, I would love the... Uh... To have a sitcom star travel back in time to get me laid. Um, I don't know if that would fix me. I feel like that would be something I remember, but I'd be like, that was, that was so fucking weird. Like, what was that? Like, why did this woman just show up on my porch that's so much older than me with a pizza when I have sex with me? Like, I, it would probably cripple the rest of my days trying to figure out how that, that came to be. <laughs> I yeah, but you're not, I move you're not a movie male in a romantic comedy. Apparently, you know, if sex is on the table, everything else doesn't. <laughs> that's uh, the, well. Everything else flies out the window. <laughs> I don't want you to compliment me too much. I'm probably not that far removed from it as far as like, worry about this later. Worry about the why later and just, yeah. <laughs> just, just go with it now. Exactly. Um, yeah, okay, so the. Your... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say in terms of like, it, that was kind of, again, like that, that is an, if anything, that's kind of an interesting element of the film. The idea that she like goes back in the, the, the kind of morality of that, of like going back in time and, and, um, you know, trying to improve someone um, for your own benefit, essentially. And theirs, I guess, Um that that actually could have been kind of an interesting exploration, but it's more of just like a throwaway joke. Um, it kind yes. of reminded me of, did you see Ruby Sparks? Yes, where the, the man. Kind of, there's some scenes in that where they're kind of playing on like the manic pixie dream girl sort of thing, like where he's writing her like and telling her to do all this stuff and she's kind of mm-hmm. acting it out. And I remember I sort of felt a bit like that when I was watching it, like, but that does, Ruby Sparks probably does it in a bit more of a um, cerebral way. But yeah, that was an interesting element. But it's kind of yeah, it's not really played for anything except for laughs or well, trying laughs anyway. Are we meant to take this um, and her acts as creepy as like Ruby Sparks? I think eventually you're supposed to look at the author character yeah. as all right. This is not even if this is some sort of fictional being that you've brought into the world um it creeps me out that you're just like what would i like my partner to do oh i want to control every facet every whim of it um the i don't know if you'd say it's kinder but like at least the less damaging version i thought of was eternal sunshine because at least that's all internal it's just you're just doing the the harm to yourself like picking and choosing which memories you want to have like um I, i guess you know and the, if that was real, uh, Jim Carrey has to suffer the insults of his ex-girlfriend feeling <laughs> so strongly against him that she wants no memory of him whatsoever. So a bit awkward when he tries to speak to her again. But uh, I'm with you. I, I, the only thing I knew about this was uh, that two couples try to like fix their prior – or two people try to fix their prior trauma. And I thought – there was going to be a turn where Pete Davidson was a more active participant in it. Like it was this dueling banjos kind of thing where they're each picking the other one. Um, I did not expect that most of it would be predicated on Kaylee Cuoco's sort of 
I don't know. Like she, she does have like a death obsession here. Like there's one time, yeah. uh, travel element to this that she has to kill yes. a version of herself so she can get them out of the way so she can go on. They, I don't know why. I don't like it's played darkly I, I comic. Killing, I think killing herself doesn't that that actually lets her continue on in that 24 hour period. I think does it? I don't know. I see. I'm, I'm getting all my time travel comedy, movies. Together and I'm like, well, Michael J. Fox was able to watch himself play guitar in Back to the Future, so I don't know what. <laughs> what like, I don't understand it, physics. I wasn't. I was a, an English <laughs> kid in school. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I think. I think that's. I think what we're sort of dancing around is that this film is kind of like it's not. I wouldn't say it's necessarily bad. It's it's what you it's what I guess we would expect of a like just a peacock original. <laughs> <laughs> um, if if you told me Bernadette, I'm going to ask you to watch a pe- peacock original, starring <laughs> starring the girl from the Big Bang Theory, no offense, and or flight attendant, and the guy from SNL that dated a thousand women. Enjoy. This is what I would expect. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I would never say enjoy after that because I would feel like I'm being a bit of a smartass. You know, like a manja, like enjoy. Um, I feel like there are like this. I'm not trying. I don't know. I'm trying to be less negative in my life, so I'm trying to think of things that I did actually enjoy more than I expected. I think it's shot quite well. I think I think it's um, in terms of what what I was expecting when it started um, and the talent involved and the, the sort of plot, I, I did actually get some Eternal Sunshine vibes from the way it was shot, um, in particular the date sections of it, like in the city. Um, and I think the director, I had a quick look on IMDb, you know, because I'm such a nerd. Um, I think he shot as a paddle town or Paddleton or something with oh, okay. um, yeah. Mark Duplass. Mm-hmm. He's a plus person, you know, okay. Blue Jay, which I really liked. Um, so I guess which, he comes from like that, you know, indie background. The sort of attack on that, uh, I guess, uh, mumblecore, uh, even though Paddleton, yeah. and, you know, they've kind of gone beyond that. But the attack on the Duplass brothers who were a part of that that scene uh, was that they, they, they did produce a lot of slight material i guess they would have like sort of a basic premise and then they would just make it and just see what they make which is admirable and if you're a creative person you don't really stop yourself uh you know they're certainly have never been accused of being stanley kubrick as far as a perfectionist they're like well let's just take this premise and see what comes from it and i would agree with you this looks nicer than a lot of those films but Maybe it's just the time travel concept where it's it's on me where I'm like, okay, how is she going to use this mighty yeah. power? And it is it is so slight. It is so small scale. She just wants to stay in that one yeah, yeah. one date and she doesn't want to face her future. She is suicidal. She, when you're suicidal, you don't want to face your future and the next so, day. Does the ending work for you on that? I know we we've gone Full spoilers for this this yeah. peacock masterpiece. Sorry, everyone that's, that's <laughs> dying to see me cute and has now been spoiled by this Australian nobody. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it ends on this this bridge where she has said many times, you know, on their their dates. That's like you know, this is a very important place. This is where she was going to end her life, and uh, this one date, this one night, gave her hope. 
not enough hope to move forward in the future, but mm-hmm. enough hope to stick around in this one evening over and over and over again. Yeah. And I, I, I don't, maybe it's my, you know, disdain for Pete Davidson. I don't know if they, <laughs> they sell it to me, speech to her to, to keep her from committing yeah. suicide. I don't actually know really what happens in that scene to, to change her mind that much that hasn't already like changed her mind from the hundreds or thousands of times that she's yeah. gone back and spent time with him. I don't know what happens that one evening that, that finally does it for her as far as, cause I've seen some prior dates that look far more hopeful and like, okay, this is the point where they're about to, yeah. to move forward. I don't know what it is about this night. To be honest, I, I... I only watched it last night, <laughs> so it wasn't that long ago. Um, but I was surprised that because at one stage it, it is, and it's sort of flagged, I don't know if you picked up on it, but it's definitely flagged throughout the film that at certain at a certain point you start to think he's also time-travelling. Um, he mentions where she and lives I, and yeah, she's like catches yes, herself. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, does she pick up on that or not? Or is she just so, like, in, in her own head that she's not even mm-hmm. picking up on it? And then, you know, at, at certain in the first few dates, she brings up this, you know, cable repair guy who was nice to her when she was little, mm-hmm. which to be, I was sitting there going, oh, please don't be making, like, a sexual abuse joke here. Like, I was, like, I was getting worried that it was sort of going to try and get really edgy. Mm-hmm. But thankfully it did not. Um, but although if you walked in on that, yeah, it's on him doing it, it still would look kind of creepy. It would, it would, (laughs) just the way she said it, I was like, oh my god. Um, but it's revealed that it's Pete Davidson who's traveled Mm -hmm. back in time to um help her through this traumatic moment she's having with her mother and to give her the same advice that she gives him at a point on one of their dates, which was something like, what was it? Like, it's okay for things to be messy or something, you know, something basic mm-hmm. bitch like that, you know. <laughs> God, if which, only someone would tell me something like that, my whole <laughs> life would be. <laughs> what she uses quite literally with him when he knocks over someone's glass at a table yeah. and spills a drink, he uses it when she's about to throw herself off a bridge. And I'm like, I don't yeah. think these <laughs> these two situations are similar. <laughs> Yeah, he tells her that when she's trying to, when she's a little girl and she's trying to put a square peg into a circle hole of a puzzle. I'm like, how about you just pick her hand up and mate and put it in the bloody right hole? <laughs> you teach her some spatial reasoning, like. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little acknowledgement that uh, this girl is going to choose the harder road every time. Uh, and we could <laughs> show her an easier way, uh, like a sex worker or something I, showing up. I, think, I don't know. I think they've got, I think they actually have a nice chemistry to be on it. I, I do think. I'm even just going to disagree you, in principle. You you're going to disagree. I don't know. I think uh, there was something, I don't, I don't know if you see, if you stuck around after the streaming to watch the, uh, uh, what was it like? Take down on. They're not. They weren't like bloopers or anything. They were just sort of extended. I guess oh, they're no. impro- improvising. Or whatever. I, did, I did not stick around for the extended <laughs> edition of Meet Cute. You call yourself a film fan. <laughs> as, as soon as it went to directed by, I'm like, all right, on with the rest of my day. 
Onto you the next got square. you missed the person that serves them um, their ice cream, giving about ten different versions of that weird childhood description of the ice cream, oh, but no. different versions. Anyway, <laughs> it was that was the best part of the movie. <laughs> I was like, this person's a star. Put them in a movie. Um, but no, I, I thought their chemistry was good. A part of me thinks maybe, I don't know. I mean, as I said, it was it's fine. If you're in the mood for something that's just, oh, I don't know, people talking and time travelling in our salons and maybe if you've ever wanted to just, you know, end things at a nail salon, maybe, maybe this will appeal to you, but... I don't know. It feels like it's like the the germ of a good idea in certain parts, but it doesn't kind of know what it wants to be, nor does it want to fully commit to being like an edgy, edgy time travel, like a Palm Spring, more of like a Palm Springs type of film. Um, or does it want to be your sort of more standard romantic comedy? A part of me wonders it might have been better off just as a more standard. I'm getting uh, as a fan of the rom-com genre I'm getting a little tired of the uh, films that are deconstructing the the rom-com like that it's somewhat ashamed like we're not really a rom-com we're going to acknowledge all the trappings of it but we're going to have some distance uh, from it there was probably the one like sleeping with other people maybe is the most effective of of those I think and that's even that was seven or eight years ago yeah, um, I love that but movie, actually. I know there was uh there was one uh with I think Rebel Wilson. Um isn't it romantic? Oh, how to be Oh, that one. I haven't even seen that. The, and that one was just broadly like a woman who's yeah. living in a rom com. But yeah, I I think uh you know, I'm not gonna tell Peacock how to, to run their, their business, I guess. Although you, you've already said whatever demo they were going for was if you've ever thought about killing yourself in a nail salon, then this is the movie for you. So no, actually, if you've ever thought about killing yourself but thought, now wait, before I die, I <laughs> must have a manicure. <laughs> I must not die with bad nails because, you know, is that not, and I can, you know, I have a, no, no I shouldn't joke about that, but, um, you know, I, I say that without, you know, I'm not trying to certainly not diminish people who <laughs> are feeling that way, but it did strike me as a bit, a bit odd and it would be, and that sort of humor is okay if it's in the in the right film. Do you know what? I, like, if it's the mm-hmm. if a film is committing to being that sort of dark in its humor, but this never really kind of goes there. It's, is it also the performer that you're maybe more comfortable with expressing those feelings? Because this another film we can point to is uh, Groundhog Day. Uh, yeah where a man is trapped in the same day over and over. And how does he make connections within those 24 hours? I don't remember everyone or anyone really having a, uh, a problem with Bill Murray driving himself off a cliff with a groundhog no. that was played as dark, darkly humorous. And I don't know if Bill yeah. Murray, would just accept it. Like, yes, that's, that's a thing he does in movies. Yeah. Maybe not the flight attendant. Maybe we, we don't want to see her uh, throw herself off a bridge. No, and just, yeah, I mean, obviously it alludes to her having a bad mother and no father, but just not enough, not, not, not enough to, to actually kind of get me to invest in the idea that she is so 
afraid of I mean there's actually a lot oh god as I said you know such a nerd I've taken notes here but there's a <laughs> I love that there was someone in Australia <laughs> taking notes about a peacock original I love, <laughs> love it did you hear that peacock original um promotion people in Australia there is someone here that has taken notes about this film um oh, it, she says something like well, actually, I've got it. It's direct to direct quote here. I've put it in quotation marks. Don't fuck with trauma. Now, there you go. That's the that's my middle name, baby. <laughs> if the, that's a great line, but then it also says, if you erase the past, you erase the person, and that's in relation to obviously to Pete David. You know, her making those changes to to Gary Pete's character. Um, but yeah, so the film's trying to deal with suicide, trauma, <laughs> um, uh, romance, fate, mora- but morality, but yet also be just your standard streaming rom com that goes for an hour and forty nine minutes or whatever it is. And yeah, it's even longer if you stay for the, you the ice cream extended edition. Um, <laughs> you sit around for that. Tell you what. I want audio commentary just for that scene. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to follow that ice cream vendor's career. um, We have done, on my uh, clock, about 38 minutes. I mean, some some chit-chat, throw some (laughs) clips in, but it it may be right around 40 minutes we've done on Meet Cute, which is probably 40 more minutes than most other movie podcasts, uh, if they're even acknowledging its existence. But by God, we, (laughs) we are. Uh, but we're actually going to talk about one more a movie that um, we decided to do in relation to this, um, High Fidelity, where John Cusack, I guess he does a different version, a more grounded version of time traveling, uh, reliving his own uh, past traumas. And uh, boy, was I far more comfortable with, with it uh, than I was with Pete Davidson, because I'm, <laughs> I'm old and... <laughs> And also, I don't think John Cusack, as you said, has any sort of big dick energy. I don't think he's ever put that out there. That's never been part of his persona. Usually, he has a pretty good career of being dumped on screen or being cast aside. He does, and, and cast being aside. rained upon in films, yeah. including yes. this, in yes. many things. I want to know what the rain budget for High Fidelity was. Like 10%. <laughs> 15 <laughs> Chicago rates or like... What came first, the music or the misery? People worry about kids playing with guns or watching violent videos. Some sort of culture of violence will take them over. Nobody worries about kids listening to thousands, literally thousands of songs about heartbreak, rejection, pain, misery, and loss. Did I listen to pop music because I was miserable? Or was I miserable because I listened to pop music? Desert Island, all time, top five, most memorable breakups in chronological order are as follows. Allison Ashmore, Penny Hardwick, Jackie Alden, Charlie Nicholson, and Sarah Kendrew. Those were the ones that really hurt. Can you see your name on that list, Laura? 
Maybe you'd sneak into the top ten. But there's just no room for you in the top five. Sorry. Those places are reserved for the kind of humiliation and heartbreak you're just not capable of delivering. If you really wanted to mess me up, you should have got to me earlier. Did you ever do much recording as far as over like the internet with people? Like I said, I know we did, I think, a couple times, but I don't remember if you um, had to, to fool with that. Not really. I think just with you a few times and maybe one or two other people. But yeah, it wasn't really that much. <laughs> very selective. Very selective uh, podcast personality you are, Bernadette. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a real acquired taste, and I only things very – I'm like a – I'm the cheese board of podcasts, you know. I did get a – um I only it was like a review that's like you can find uh, embossed on one of my podcasts, but I think it must have been like a tweet or DM or something uh, where um, – because of where I'm based and I have a bunch of my friends on, especially in those early episodes – uh, someone didn't really like my accent or they were like, they liked the content, but they were like, and they said something effective. Can you get the Australian lady on? Because it, I like the sound of her voice more. And I'm like, you could just listen to her podcast. Like, you know, instead of trying to retrofit <laughs> our Kentucky accents to have like a better sort of, I guess, uh, voice palette, you could just listen to Australian film podcasts and there you go. But I think I was plot ish where i was like i'll see what i can do well can, can i say do you have this man's number and like his name and um <laughs> is he open to like a 90 day fiance type of situation <laughs> i would never set you up with someone who listens to movie podcasts like not... <laughs> yeah i think i've learned my lesson in all. that regard <laughs> <clears throat> all right so we're um Going to continue our conversation from Meet Cute on uh, romantic trauma, I guess would be our little <laughs> sub-theme here. And I'm going to – this is one of my favorites. Uh, I'll just go ahead and out myself, Brenda. Yeah. I saw this – I think you and I are close enough in age. I think you're you know, a little bit younger, but thankfully not uh, bodies, bodies, bodies younger. No, I think I'm older than you. I don't really want to – I don't All think right. we should have to reveal we'll, our we'll ages. But I'm just going to assume – Maybe <laughs> we'll confirm offline. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we can, we can speak, uh, you know, in code, uh, code of language here as far as movies. Um, so if someone wants to do the math, I was in high school when High Fidelity came out. And so it's surprising to me that I took to it as quickly as I, as I did because I didn't have uh, five X's. I don't even know if I had three exes at the point certainly in high school relationships is nothing you're never living with someone like <laughs> nothing long term none of it really matters especially at our age now but i really enjoyed it then and i don't get it I, like i understand why i like it now yeah. being able to reflect on your own past and yeah. especially someone that's into pop culture and movies yeah. um but i want to ask you like when when did you come to this because i assume you're not as weird as i was in high school like watching this on dvd no i was a vhs oh, okay. like it, probably um <laughs> i also i also am nearly 40 and don't have five x's now so <laughs> <laughs> like i said reviewer if you're listening to this and you're no. <laughs> um, uh, 
I was also in high school when this came out and I'd read the book. I don't know if you'd read the book um, that it's based I actually on. had because yeah, I was a nerd. Yeah, so yeah. Like, oh, there's a movie I'm interested in. Let me read the book first, which I, you know, facing my 40s now, I'm like, who has the fucking time? I'm yeah. like, I'm not going to do that. Like, But <laughs> apparently when I was a teenager, I was like, this is what you're supposed to do. You, you honor the original artist. And now I'm like, you know, if there was a meet cute novel, I was not going to race out to try to read it. No it, feel, it actually feels like it could be something that's based on some sort of ad- I yeah. I bet yeah. it is. <laughs> but I, I will never know. No, it's not <laughs> As a professional back. podcaster, I'm not going to do the research. No. Uh, yeah, so I this was one of my like seminal movies growing up. Okay. Um and that's why when I and I have seen it. Like obviously I watched it a lot in my late teens and sort of early 20s. Um, and I related to it a lot and I liked the book, although I don't actually remember that much about the book, kind of the movie took over in the sense because I rewatched it so many mm-hmm. times and mm-hmm. because it is Same. quite similar to the book. Um, and I have seen it, I would say, maybe like two or three times since then, but kind of passively, not not um, where I've sat down and really sort of watched it or watched it for a podcast or anything like that um kind of just put it on in the background or you know seen clips any anyway so I was excited when you said to rewatch it and then I had a really disturbing reaction while watching so now oh, you've no. ruined one of my <laughs> <laughs> because I just I, I, I just sat and, and I, it's probably just because of where I am in my life at the moment and I think that can really impact certain movies for you, like particularly ones that you have certain memories about mm. and around. And I still really enjoy the movie and it is, you know, it's a very good film. I'm not trying to say it isn't, but I just There's was... There's a huge butt. No, I just, my, my jaw <laughs> was like on the floor because I thought to myself, I do not, and I know that I, basically what I'm saying is I do not remember Rob being such a fucking dick. Like, oh, I, okay. I remember, and, and this says more about me than it does about uh, about the film, I remember thinking he was the best, he was hot shit, the best thing since sliced bread when I watched it when I was young, <laughs> when I was young. And when I watched it this time, I was like, huh? Is it better? Is what better? Better than what? Well, sex, I guess. Is it better? Is that really what's bothering you? Yes. Yes, of course. Do you really think it would make a difference either way? I don't know. Well, the answer is I don't know either. We haven't done it yet. Never? I haven't felt like it. Not even before, when he was living upstairs? No. I was living with you, remember? We've slept together, but we haven't made love. Not yet. I'll tell you one thing. What? Sleeping together is better. Sleeping together is better. But not the sex because you haven't done it yet. Will you please just go? Yeah. I 
feel great. I was a real asshole when I was there. <laughs> because the film doesn't uh, look, shy you're away. Excused. It doesn't shy away from... Every, everyone... Yeah, sorry, you go. Everyone's more of an asshole when they're younger, right? If we were both teenagers when we saw this, and you're kind of... I would say you're proudly narcissistic at that age. Like, I'm into my stuff, and I expect other people to be, kind of be into it. Uh, I don't know how that... How does that look on... Uh, a 40, I don't know how old he is, at least mid thirties or 40. I don't know how old John Cusack was, but certainly someone that has had a long, either illustrious or failed romantic life, depending yeah. on his point of view in the film, he starts off thinking it's all been a failure. And then I don't think it makes him look better, but as he starts to revisit these breakups, he starts okay. to feel better about his victory over these women that actually, he was like the, the conquering force that ended it. And, He's not always the one that's been left behind. I think that what I aspired to was maybe not being John Cusack, especially the way he's dressed. I've always had a problem with the way he dresses. He has these weird checkered button up shirts and they're very like shiny. And like, even then I thought, is that, is that what an, an old person dresses like? And now I look at myself and I'm like, I guess I never got to that, <laughs> that particular Chicago Cusack sheen. Um, <laughs> I, and his hair, I think his hair is pretty bad here. Um, it'll go from him looking sad and forlorn and a total mess. And then they just sort of like comb it a slightly different way to make him look a little bit, you know, more dashing. Um, I'm with you to a, a point. Like I, I did think as a young person, like someone who knew that much or was, you know, uh, sort of a glorified retail expert on their mm -hmm. chosen art form. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Like I'm, there's a scene in the movie where, um, his his latest ex uh, is coming in to get her stuff, her last remaining stuff uh, from the the home that they shared, and she sees he's written a top five of like his favorite or fantasy jobs if he could have them, and the last one is like they're all music related, and then the last one's architect, and she's the one who obviously points out, wouldn't you rather just be what you are, like a record store owner? than an architect and he's like yeah probably and <laughs> i i think i was probably a little ahead of him maybe as a teenager i thought oh that's a cool job i know that he sets it up that his life is miserable in hell he hates jack black and the uh au pair from jerry Maguire uh is these two dorks that come in and like bother him <laughs> but i think that that's something that in the late 90s uh this came out spring of 2000 i would have thought would have been like man if you could end up that way wouldn't that be awesome just be surrounded by things that you love but they do play it as it's some sort of like self-imposed prison sentence yeah uh, that he's got on himself from the opening line saying was he um miserable uh and so he turned to pop music or did pop music make him miserable so uh, i i think that i probably didn't get as much of that when i was younger and now now maybe I, I can see his point of view as far as the things that you previously loved uh come with their own baggage of yeah. you know relationships from those time periods i think the record store is kind of like a symbol of or reflective of like his arrested development like he he needs to kind of it's a cushy job. It's a good job. He's a, you know, a business owner and he's doing okay, I guess. But, you know, there's a point where his ex on girlfriend, Laura, you know, who's kind of the, their relationship is the the crux of the film, um, which if, if everyone's probably seen it already, so I don't really need to explain it, but 
Just like a peacock. Yeah, yeah, exactly. High fidelity. <laughs> he, he says, oh, you know, the critic finally created something, you know, the, the perennial mm. critic finally creates something. Um, and I think it is about he actually is a he, – he loves music and loves creative fields, but he's too afraid to actually create and he's too afraid to commit to a relationship. <laughs> Mm-hmm. as well and move forward so yeah it's he's just such a fucking asshole <laughs> like, I'm, sorry, I just, I just, I'm assuming you're probably talking more about his uh relationship yeah, than he is uh, his just, obsession with records not, yeah no I, all that rings true i think the and that still is super enjoyable to me um like all the you know come on i'm a list maker so uh, and no i honestly believe besides maybe Ferris Bueller, I don't think any other film does fourth wall breaking as well as this film mm. does. Um, and it's not easy to do because it's easy to do really badly. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But to do it well and to do it well with a character who is kind of a dick <laughs> and actually make you, it make you sort of endear, endear to him and feel connected to him even when he is maybe doing some things that are like he's guy like uh, I, I think that's Cusack and Cusack wrote the part wrote the script I believe or partly wrote the script so you know he yeah are you a fan of uh gross point blank I think it's the yes. same two yeah uh co-writers I think they're his producing with, uh, partners um yeah. yeah I love gross point blank um that's probably my favorite of his his uh, his performances anyway but <sighs> It's just, I, I was just shocked. I was, I really like, I'm reeling. Like you shook me to my core <laughs> because I just, I just did not remember all the things he does in this film. And, and I guess maybe as someone who is, yeah, like divorced and trying to to date again for the first time in like many years, I'm shook. I'm shooketh. Like. <laughs> This is the fact that I thought this guy was like the romantic ideal when I was young, and now I'm rewatching it and like he's obsessed with like just just let's just name a few things he does. Not not just even the things he does to Laura. He's cheated on. As someone says, why do you even want her back so badly? Like mm. it's not mm-hmm. it's not even clear if he actually wants her back for a particular reason. Or if he's just stuck in this, like, as you say, like victim mentality or uh, the idea that, you know, he's being rejected by all these different... It actually feels a bit... I mean, no, it's not anti-woman, but there are parts of the film where I just go like, oh, my God. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you you brought that up because there's one bit that I probably didn't think about at all when I was a teenager. where he visits his high school girlfriend uh, who goes on to be a film critic, which I was thinking like, well, you really fucked up there. Yeah. Like that's, that's where you should have landed buddy. Uh, and he, he says like, okay, she's like uh, her job. She's uh, got it. She's unassailably, unassailably cool. He's really impressed by her, but obviously he wants, he wants to get back to him <laughs> talking about the small little piece that he contributed to her life, which actually was fairly traumatic compared to the other women 
because she just wouldn't have sex with him in high school. She just didn't want to. She just thought it was too young. That was her, her choice. <laughs> and I I wondered how, you know, uh, Twitter would have a field day with his character and voiceover talking about the, it's totally natural for men to push to see how far they can get and then be rejected as far as yeah. the physical intimacy of that age. Um, I didn't have as much of a problem with that because I felt like, well, that's fairly honest. But now when she sort of rebuts his framing of the relationship, yeah. she says that she wanted to wait to have sex. But then she had sex with the next guy she started dating in high school because she felt that what sh she was doing was in some way wrong. Like if yeah. this guy rejected her because she would not uh, give it up, then maybe there's something wrong with her. And she even the line is like, it wasn't rape because I didn't say no, yeah. but it wasn't far from it. Actually, I don't think I thought about that no, when I was a teenager. But no, now I thought and I'm like, ooh, Rob, you need to listen but they play it as a joke like she gets up and storms off and he's like that's right he's i like, broke up with her i should have done this years ago worry about your date rape lady <laughs> i'm over yeah. too felt a little bad a little icky on that one yeah that that's icky but i guess the thing is it's i don't want people to think that i i i don't understand that I think the film knows that he's a dick. Like, mm -hmm. it's not, I, I'm not making some sort of revelatory. <laughs> I guess I just never saw him as a dick the first time I saw it. I, I just, or the memory of it was completely whitewashed for me in terms of like the misogyny and um, just his obsession with the idea that has Laura had sex with her new boyfriend. Like, that's all he cares about. There's, there's a whole fucking dancing monologue to Queen afterwards when he finds out that she hasn't, and then he goes and fucks someone else. Like, <laughs> I was reeling. Not, <laughs> not only does he uh, get to have sex with uh, Pardon, I'm Lisa sorry, Bernay. I just realised that I've sworn many, many times in this podcast. No, no, bring it on. No, that's you know. Your prior fan, I believe, loved your accent and your, you know, sailor's mouth oh, as well. Okay. I think you're a huge fan. Um, so he, uh, John Cusack, has sex with Lisa Bonet, who, hmm. even in the world, um, has some moderate amount of fame. She is uh, yeah. at least a, look, appears to be an up and coming musician uh, locally in Chicago, and they even have a sequence where him and his buddies, um, well, coworkers, I guess, or <laughs> fellow dorks. Talk about how great it would be. It's like their fantasy to uh, date, uh, live with a musician, and it's all about what that musician could do for them. Like <laughs> reference them and her songs, line uh, put little private <laughs> jokes. Yeah. Um, so he's he he's victorious over his his ex Lauren that she has not yet moved on sexually from him. He then immediately has sex with this sort of uh, local celebrity, beautiful woman. Um, and then as soon as they part, um, he immediately starts thinking about, wait, is Laura going to have sex with this guy? And the, the following, I think, two scenes are about him obsessing in the record shop uh, over what it means by her saying, yet, I've not had sex with him if, yet. Yeah, if I, I agree with you. Yet, would you yeah. think I was going to see it? <laughs> what did Laura mean last night when she said, I haven't slept with him yet, yet? What does yet mean anyway? It means you're going to do it, doesn't it? Or does it? Just come on. What would it mean to you, that sentence? I haven't seen Evil Dead 2 yet. 
Well, to me, it would mean that you're a liar. You've seen it twice, once with Laura, oops, and once with me and Dick, remember? We had that conversation about the guy making Beretta shotgun ammo off screen in the 14th century. Right. All right, but let's just say that I hadn't seen it. And I said to you, I haven't seen Evil Dead 2 yet. What would you think? I'd think that you're a cinematic idiot, and I'd feel sorry for you. All right. But from that one sentence, would you think that I was going to see it? I'm sorry, Rob, I'm struggling here. You're asking me what would I think... If you told me you hadn't seen a film that you have already seen, what am I supposed to say? Just listen to me. If I said to you, I haven't seen Evil Dead 2 yet, yes. Would you get the impression that I really wanted to see it? Oh, uh, well, you couldn't have been desperate to see it, otherwise you'd have already gone. Right, I'm not going to see that movie. But the word yet. Yeah, you know what? I get the impression that you wanted to see it. Otherwise, you'd have said you didn't want to go. But in your opinion, would I definitely go? How the fuck am I supposed to know? Probably. Why? Because it's a brilliant film. It's so funny and violent and the soundtrack kicks fucking ass. I never thought I'd say this, but can I go work now? I agree with you that I think the film is trying to hammer home in those moments. This guy is a fucking asshole. I, I don't know if it's just John Cusack's... Uh, history, his filmography, his presence, where we give him more rope than we would other actors, where we've seen him be put upon. We know him as Lloyd Dobler from Say Anything. We just allow him to be a bit more of a dick than we would maybe other actors that doesn't have that harsh edge. I think so. And I think it's also the... The film does, yeah, the film... Like the Liz character played by his Joan Cusack, John Cusack's sister, which I think they appear in all films to get his films together at some point. I think um, she kind of calls him out a fair few times in the film. Um, so it's not it's not like the film is oblivious uh, to, but but then I do think the fourth wall breaking helps as well. I think that immediately makes you sort of you're connecting with him and and he's kind of not only your eyes into the film but, you know, the actual literal voice. So you do get that kind of, yeah, that you give him a certain leeway. I think I agree. And also, like, the, the film, people who I think have an, have an affinity to a, having a passion for something like a music or a movie or whatever, I feel like that kind of makes him relatable in some ways too. Mm -hmm. And you kind of, yeah, you, and I think it was a product of the time. I I honestly don't think we kind of thought about it that as much. As you say, if this came out now, there'd be boycotts. (laughs) 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 There would be like Twitter uprisings of Mm -hmm. uh, how dare someone, you know, I could just, Im- I-, I could imagine, I could just, Im- <laughs> but I do think the film, it doesn't, in- after having been shooketh like I have it um, <laughs> from re-watching this, I do wish that maybe it called him out just a little bit more or the ending, which I do actually really like the the ending scene, the end scene. Um, that there was just a little bit more before that that made you think that he was now ready to actually be there for Laura as a person rather than a man baby. 
I don't have the strongest faith in it. I think it's a nice moment how it ends him making a mixtape of songs that she would like as yeah. opposed to him imposing upon her yeah. uh, things he likes and like basically demanding that she like it as well. Yes. Um, yeah. Or it's just a means of him explaining to himself to her again. He wants to put something in that maybe she doesn't quite get yet. And then yeah. that's just a means for him to uh, explain to her why she's wrong in some way. Yeah. There, there's a brief snippet of that where he's like, I think forcing, I mean, it's Marvin Gaye, so it's not like he's putting putting some some sort of death metal in there that she like <laughs> most people would be opposed to. Um, but there's a, a brief snippet where he says like, you know, he's uh, responsible for our whole relationship, and she just offhandedly says, "Well, I'd like a word with him." Um, even in those sequences, he has to correct her when she says something like about Marvin Gaye in present day, and he's like, uh, "He's he's dead. Uh, his father shot him." Like he has to get the little nerd yeah. like technicalities in there and what does she do she um has a hand in basically like that song being played at yeah. this little party she's put yeah. together for, supposedly for him to be moving forward as far as putting something there something out there in the world but it's really she's doing all the work to make yeah. it happen yeah she's I'm assuming she's putting up the money she's printed all the flyers she's basically forced him to get off his ass yeah and what does he he do he starts becoming infatuated with this woman that's like <laughs> covering him over this party <laughs> well the, the film it actually goes from them getting back together which I have to believe that the trauma of her father's death is the only reason she actually got back together with him like because I was sitting there going, run, bitch, run. Like, <laughs> do not get back to with him. Because um, I even re remember when I was younger watching it thinking she was a real pill. Like, in my mind, mm. I, remember, like, I was like, oh, she's so she boring, is. such a pill. Like, so how internalised is that misogyny? That That's what I thought when I was young watching it. And then I'm watching She has the now, patience like... of a saint. Like, I, I don't know how she's... <laughs> she manages to deal with this but she does and it is a, kind of a sad it's kind of a sad ending for both um i mean now if if these fictional characters are happy together fine they're not hurting anyone else do your thing like there's all manner of different relationships but they kind of both you're mentioning the funeral day where yeah. she decides she even says i'm too tired to do yeah. anything else but basically get back together with you like i just yeah. i want to return to some degree of normalcy because I'm I'm feeling so much pain with everything else. I can't handle <laughs> basically I can't handle your bullshit as yeah. well. Um, and then his proposal to her at the end of the film when he starts to develop these feelings oh or this fantasy about this journalist is he says I'm just tired of thinking about it. Like I want to settle down with you because I'm just I basically want to remove any romantic aspirations from my life, which. If you're the recipient of that proposal, you're like, well, gee, thanks. I'm glad you never want to think about <laughs> any sort of romantic gestures anymore in your life. So you just want a roommate. It goes further. Thankfully, that. she does turn down the proposal, but you do get the feeling that, I mean, the film leaves us with them still together. But she, thank God, she does not, I guess, commit long term necessarily to him. <laughs> he basically tells her that he doesn't want the fantasy and also mocks her for having plain underwear. And that's the proposal. <laughs> Jesus Christ, if someone was going to propose to me based on my underwear, no wonder I'm divorced. Like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, yeah, I was really. I was, <laughs> you've really blown my mind watching, rewatching this movie. 
that does i mean that is i think a an accurate portrayal of of men as far as the expectation that even in a you know uh, domesticated setting that women have to keep some mystery about them yeah. or keep the in, intrigue going whether that's you know physical or um you know just the the underwear needs mm -hmm. whatever you display i don't want to see the practical <laughs> underwear mm -hmm. i want to see the exotic things that the, the, we are playing dress up yeah however John Cusack never, like, I, I already mentioned how much I hated his shirts. Like, I never can tell, is he dressing up for someone? Like, the fact that the, the balls on this man that he could ever complain <laughs> that he was in a two-year relationship with Catherine Zeta-Jones in college, <laughs> and it's her fault because he never got comfortable with the fact that she was more attractive than him. Like, dude... Just be happy you were there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just just enjoy it while it lasts and stop fucking worrying so much. Stop blaming her for you feeling inadequate. Yeah. And that I, I thought that was pretty – in terms of – I think that, that also endears us to him in terms of like from letting us forgive some of that really shitty behaviour is that structure of revisiting his top five, so to speak, breakups. Uh, even though he does some terrible things in, in a lot of them, um, it kind of gives you that window, I guess. And it feels like as an audience member, you're actually learning more from these uh, flashbacks, so to speak, than he actually is. Yeah, he thinks he's learning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones is pretty inspired casting, I think, in that role as Charlie. Like, um, And... You know, I just love the idea of, I feel like maybe not me because, you know, so few numbers, but there's, so, there's, there's always someone that you've dated that you thought was like amazing at the time, whether it's because they were good looking or I don't know, whatever. And then if you speak to them again in the future, you're like, how did I edit all this crap out and mm -hmm. only remember that they were, you know, amazing uh, that that felt true to me. I thought, well, that's pretty. I think everyone has an experience like that. But he still he says um, something that I, I've always liked, where he clearly can see that either from an economic standpoint or whatever, uh, she's moving in different circles because yeah. he says something to the fact that he's not a class warrior and they're <laughs> they're nice people, but they're just no one that he would want to hang out with, no, basically. Okay. And I'm like, well, that's some that's actually some growth there. Where you're like, yeah. okay. Like, yeah. it's just not for me. That's fine. He calls her uh, an awkward they don't... person. And I'm like, turn that lens on yourself, brother. Like, <laughs> Yeah. they. <laughs> yeah. When he, it's a funny line when he says he realizes that she just talks shit yeah. all night long. And <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, so, so do you yeah. like at the record store, the way you abuse your customers yeah. for, for asking for it in the wrong way. Uh, this sort of elitist attitude. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that uh, a lot of it I credit to the director, uh, Stephen Frears, here, because I saw something where he he said he initially didn't get it because it wasn't, like, of his generation. I guess he yeah. just didn't approach pop culture and that sort of collector's yeah. mentality. And I, I think that the, a lot of the sort of pointed jabs probably come from that aspect because John Cusack, on the other hand, uh, seemed to really understand. Like, he was like uh, – he could see, like, all these places in Chicago musically that inspired yes. him from his youth as far as collecting records and things of that, that nature. So I'm going to credit uh, sort of an outside lens that maybe got a few pointed jabs uh, in on it. But I like what you said earlier as far as, you know, Twitter now having a field day with it. <laughs> I like that there was a time where movies could present to yeah. you 
an asshole on screen and the film doesn't condemn him really. It doesn't say actually this guy's had an arc where he's now a much better person. He pretty much just is what he is. And if you enjoy his company, uh, thankfully you only have, you know, two hours with him yeah. and some poor woman is going to have <laughs> entire life, <laughs> but you can step outside of it and say, okay, yeah. that was fun for a little bit, but now back to some degree of normalcy. Yeah. And it doesn't have, you're right. There doesn't have to be some sort of, you know, I'm not, the, I, I love some films that have characters that are monsters without any um, redeemable qualities or arc you know you could argue that there is some growth in in this film and it ends on a mildly hopeful note um, yeah I guess it's just I just don't remember it that way <laughs> um, which makes me really concerned about you know what I was like back then um, <laughs> God help me uh, but it's interesting what you point out about you know the woman's going to be stuck with him for, <laughs> forever because there's a line I think this the, the book as well. I think it's Nick Hornby, isn't it, who wrote the book? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I read somewhere that I think he was going he was going through a separation or a divorce when he wrote this, which could explain maybe why some of it is a bit like he has this mentality of someone where women have done him wrong. Um, mm-hmm. The character does, um, even if it's not actually accurate. Um, but there's this, uh, early on when. Because I guess Laura never really, it's another thing that's confusing to me is that, you know, she breaks up with him, but then it's kind of like she's always still in his life in little bits, whether it's picking up stuff or, you know, just she always seems to be there in his apartment at different points in time. Well, she points out. He does say it's odd. You keep popping back up. Exactly. So she's not, she's always still got one little foot or toe, you know, in dipped into the relationship. Um. But, you know, there's a really good scene where she says something, or he, Rob says, you know, what could I have done differently to make you happy? Um, which is something that, you know, probably a lot of people <laughs> have asked at the end of a relationship. And, you know, she says, you know, correctly, you know, make yourself happy. That's the, you know, um, because he's obviously being a miserable bastard and it's affecting <laughs> their relationship. And, <laughs> In the book, from what I remember, she does, in terms of like you mentioned that she does, uh, you know, sets the release party for his, you know, CD that he's releasing with those two criminals. Uh, mm-hmm. She sort of create, you know, makes him DJ again and everything. So she really is being very forceful in terms of making him happy rather than making him make himself happy. But I think in the book it's even worse. I think she does all of it. She finds the um, artists. Uh, <laughs> so at least in, in the in the movie they made some effort for him to sort of like get off his ass and he actually starts his own record label. Although isn't that easy to just start your own <laughs> I mean, I I assume uh, everyone there at that uh, release party is just a customer or friend. Um, so I mean, I don't, I don't know as far as financially, but um, I don't know. It was the early. I guess he had a CD burner at the time. Yeah. Like, I mean, oh my god, I remember that. And come on, th- that's got to be one of the best parts of the film as well. Do you remember making mixtapes and mix CDs for people? Those were the days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those were the days. It's that's one bit of a 
bit of self-reflection I have when he, he's talking about making the mixtape yeah. uh, where he says you're using someone else's words to like express how you feel about someone, uh, which has always been sort of a concern of mine. Uh, and I think maybe it's made me less social when it comes to my, my movie uh, hobby, movie watching, is I probably was very guilty at a young age of like forcing movies on people like you must watch this like i love this and so now i'm gonna make you watch this well even if it has fuck all to do with yeah. prior films that you've enjoyed like at some point in my life i don't know if i gave up on everyone else or gave up on myself as like a tastemaker of some sort <laughs> now it's like if i like something i don't i don't really <laughs> relate it to anyone i'm just like well this is just for me this is the safe play is just just leave this for myself and it's no one else's business but it's hard when you're when you're passionate about some yeah. something and that's it's probably like the only good thing he has is that he he does really like pay attention to strangers words and their feelings and what they're moaning about presumably about other people that he's never met yeah things from their personal life but it's the inability to apply that structure if you will to his life in in any way yeah. like i i actually think that unfortunately lily taylor is probably like the one throwaway ex yeah um because she's the one that he gets together with like when they both have been dumped like they're yeah. both angry and bitter and they decide to be angry and bitter together yeah. i actually think that's like that was maybe the healthiest yeah. thing for yeah. him <laughs> and it's kind maybe of the, they were the match yeah and it's kind of the saddest because you know when they do catch up he kind of like he the fact that he's like I'm not even going to bring up she's not even it's almost like she's not even worthy of me asking her why <laughs> she's such a sad sack now that's like are you single it's like basically me if I was you know in this movie I would be there Lily <laughs> I'd be like so what are you doing now now that you've called me again <laughs> um and I love her as an actress too so it's kind of like dang I, I wish she had more um, and she's worked with Cusack, I think, in other films. Um, so I think they have a friendship. Yeah. Um, yeah, even uh, Say Anything, going all yeah. the way back there. She's one of the, I think she's one of his, like, of his buddies. Friends, yeah. I think his inner circle, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, even when he says, like, I'm not going to bring up that pain with her <laughs> because she's too fragile, yeah. he still has to put in the last little bit is, I still, you know, I still could have fucked her, though, right? Like, yeah. I could have <laughs> could have had sex back there <laughs> oh my god he would be so bad in bed like honestly he reeks of that energy like can you imagine can you imagine he would be like reeling off his top five songs about orgasms or something while he's penetrating you like <laughs> sorry this is a real r-rated uh <laughs> Um, yeah. I'll just answer politely, Brenda. No, I I can't imagine, nor do I want to imagine. <laughs> Are you sure? No, you seem to be very focused on his attire. So I'm... <laughs> it's just a no. It's just a hard no for me on that. Like the fact that you make Tim Robbins playing a goofball, like an SNL character, you yeah. make him the Lothario, the, the yeah. guy on the, the boss stripper with that horrible wig and just his, his attitude yeah. says a lot about you, yeah. Rob says a lot about you, John Cusack, your, your character, what you're putting out there in the world. Yeah. And I think but. that's another difference from the book as well, that they try and that they do to make him more likable is to make the Ian character. So like, ugh, um, you know, do such a joke. 
Yeah, a joke, yeah. exactly. Like, whereas in the book, I don't he's barely in it. Like, it's not, he's not really a, he's just a, a person that exists. He doesn't really get any airtime from memory. Um, but, yeah, he's such a, yeah, complete joke in this that it kind of makes you think, oh, you know, Laura's better off with <laughs> with this uh, man baby. <laughs> they kind of stack the deck there. You know, Tim Robbins, classic other man that comes in to, to yeah. be the home wrecker. Like, of course, obviously. But the long ponytail, you know, international douchebag uh, signal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and house music or whatever. He said, and there's glasses, that that is, like John Lennon glasses. Yeah. <laughs> so this has been a healthy conversation uh for our first you know uh reunited to do podcasting together uh i brought up a, an old favorite that uh just really <laughs> wrecked you as far as <laughs> making you confront younger bernadette that was not the intention but i think it made for good podcast material i'm i'm really disturbed i don't i i don't know what to do <laughs> i don't know how to move on from this i feel like i I feel like it's well, going to affect me for the rest of my life. <laughs> so you have agreed to uh, come back and we're going to do next week. We're going to do something that should not be personal at all. We're going to do two Marilyn Monroe movies. So we're going to do my week with Marilyn and blonde. And I, I highly doubt, I don't know. You could surprise me. I highly <laughs> doubt that we'll have any sort of personal stories or attachment where we compare ourselves to Marilyn Monroe, but, but maybe I don't, I don't know. Well, you know, I am a beauty, you know. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> no, definitely no um no connection. <laughs> Except pill taking maybe, but uh, no. <laughs> I'm still kicking, no. <laughs> there's there there's the music that plays right there. Exactly, That's yes. The... Cut it off. It's only gonna get worse from here. It's it's like ten thirty at night here, it's past my bedtime. So <laughs> well I, I hope people have enjoyed listening to us we'll be back to uh to talk about those films and uh be decidedly less personal maybe i don't i don't know we'll see but uh, i'll find we'll a way we'll to make it about me come on <laughs> yeah i'll compare myself to michelle williams in some way i'll, I'll figure it out that was just here do you know her last name no nah, dude sorry maybe there's like the last name on a receipt that you could check dude i'm not just gonna like show you someone's receipt have you ever been in a situation where you meet your soulmate and you just need a help of a friend no nah.